Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Soul to Soul Connections with Jenny G. I'm your host, Jenny G. Cousins, and thank you for tuning in. And just remember to catch all the shows and the new ones coming up. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, and you will be connected to see them all. Now, on today's show, I have a new guest on, and I will be interviewing Rahi, Rahi Leo. Rahi Leo. I don't know why I just messed that up. Um, Rahi Leo Rodriguez. Now, Rahi Leo is a shaman practitioner, astrologer, tour guide, healer, ordained minister, spiritual counselor, and he also lives in Sedona, Arizona, in the beautiful Red Rocks. And thank you, Rahelio, for thank being a you part. Thank me. Yes, yes, indeed. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. You know, one of the first things, actually, um, with your name that, that drew me to you before was how it's pronounced, Rahelio, because it has that heel energy in it. Well, I have a very unique name. Uh, it embraces Ra as a sun god and Helio as the radiance of the sun, which is healing, of course, Helio. And um, it reflects part of uh, a mystical experience I had as a teenager where I had a visitation on a vision quest of a golden sun appearing being that uh, came to me with such a blissful message. And I, I was young and didn't understand it, but I was connected to that and that frequency and so later when i was 20 was when i really had my awakening and that's when i shifted my name changed the spelling and uh began a new sense of self-identity wow that that's amazing like what what originally drew you into your work uh i was stumbled i stumbled into it um you know, as a, as a teenager, uh, back in the 70s, people were smoking marijuana, doing psychedelics. I discovered I was way more sensitive than my friends. Mm -hmm. And so this, uh, some experience with that began to push me over the edge of looking at what's the meaning of life and death, who am I? And began to uh, stir within me this search for the meaning of life. And uh, I had a, a number of very powerful experiences that ultimately led to um, a very strong prayer vision quest where I received a spiritual connection with the, like they call the, my, my master teacher, you know, elder. Mm -hmm. I don't like to give his name out or share about that too much or talk about that too much. But just all that did was let me know that I'm on the path. It's time to wake up, to learn as much as I can, and um, remember who I am. Mm -hmm. So that's when I was in college out in uh, California, in Marin County. So I, I dropped out of school, and I went to Maui to uh, find myself. I wanted to be in nature, someplace beautiful, and Maui was offered to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was a natural progression to move on from uh, 
from school in California to you know, a new life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How long were you in Maui for? Off and on, mostly six years. Oh, goodness. This is back in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, I have a connection with Maui. I, I, I have friends over there, and I normally go there every year. And I know the, you know, the, the sacred energy that that's a part of that as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, Hawaii is definitely one of the major power spots on the planet. Mm -hmm. As is you know, Sedona in the southwest. Many places on the earth are uh, power places. You can think of the earth as a living sentient being. It has an acupuncture meridian grid system. Mm -hmm. You see this in the Native American dream catcher. Mm -hmm. Spider woman's web. So that web is the acupuncture grid of the earth. So different places we can be drawn to for our own activation and for us also to work with the earth energy and give back in, in a healing, balancing way with the earth. Mm -hmm. so yeah, Hawaii yeah. is definitely a key one there. Yes. Yeah, I, I always feel at home. Actually, it's interesting. I always feel at home when I'm in Sedona and Hawaii. That's because your, your home is your soul. These places have to awaken you to your soul so you yeah. can connect with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, because I really connect with the rocks. Like I'll literally pick up a rock, you know, that I'm feeling and it'll give me a message. Because even last time I was in Hawaii a couple of years ago, in Maui and I was walking on the beach and I was drawn to this rock picked it up put it on my stomach and it showed me this painting that I was gonna do so then when I came home I, I never know what painting I'm gonna do and I ended up painting um, when I realized it not till the end was the volcano erupting and I had all the shockers around it with the fire and the month later that's when the volcano got set off at the big island that back in uh, that was well a long time ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that was actually because I I was in Maui last year, and um, also the year before. So it was um, 2018 that the volcano must have went off. Because it, it really started going off back when I was there. Was when it started going off, it hadn't gone off for a while. Mm -hmm. I think that must have been 81 or something like that that the volcano began to erupt in a really big way. Mm -hmm. It's been ongoing, erupting since then. Yes, yes, it has. It's it's just I went out there actually on a tour, and it was <laughs> last year, and it was it was interesting. It was very interesting. So, and then I knew that you were connected with Maui and and, and Hawaii and that, and I'm like, wow, you know, like hearing your perspective of it. And um, Hawaii, you speak of Pele. Mm -hmm. the volcano goddess mm -hmm. so indigenous people shamanic people they have a resonance with the elemental or the primal energy of the earth and so ancient people had this connection in a shamanic way mm -hmm. so there's always this uh, giving back to the earth making offerings so people live in uh, visiting Hawaii take some of those volcanic rocks home with them. Yeah. And some of them have the worst fortune after that. It's become a famous uh, thing, you know, like a legend where Madame Pele gets upset. Yeah. And teach people how to respect the earth. Yes. And ask permission 
and feel from the heart and connect mm-hmm. from that place to receive. That message needs to be recognized all over the planet now. Yeah. Because the earth is shifting and the shamanic people are saying we can't do it ourselves. The Western world, the modern world, because, you know, China and all those guys, they're all exploiting the earth. And our technologies are throwing the energy grids and the frequencies out of balance. Mm-hmm. This may be what's going on also with this coronavirus thing that's emerged. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's all all upside down, you know, but I I feel it'll be a blessing in the end. It, it, it's just going through it, you know, being in the middle of the vortex, mm-hmm. trying to stay centered and grounded, it, you know, while humanity, all the species go, go through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's the hard part. Now you're also connected with Carlos Castanda. Castaneda. Yeah, Castaneda. In his book. Uh, he has many books. Yeah. When I first came across his books, um, um, it was very exciting. Kind of um, a little bit of fear-based. Didn't really understand it. Sensational writing. I put it away because it did not resonate with my soul. didn't resonate with what I'm looking for. But much later, this is like the early 90s, I had a very profound mystical experience. And oops, I'm going to plug my, my charger in my phone. <laughs> Where I had an encounter with these ancient Native American spirit beings guardian spirits and they came to me with such a absolute silence a profound silence that blew me away because they had pushed me into I don't know fifth dimensional experience a higher dimensional experience and then one day I saw uh, a book title of Carlos Castaneda called The Power of Silence and I read that and it was so crystal clear. The information was so right there. So wow, he's got he's got that. And uh, I began to devour those books. But there was something that bothered me about them, and that was uh, the underlying fear and the 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 importance of power, which as I have on my spiritual awakening didn't resonate with those teachings. I did very much love the teachings of Don Juan Mm -hmm. and I did meet Carlos Castell's party Mm. in the early 90s. They did a retreat in uh, Rimrock or Rim something Institute, Northern Arizona. So I went and many people were there excited about that information. And in discussing things with them, I realized that they didn't have the peace that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They want some of us to join them and get a group synergy and use that group energy to push through to some new realizations. But for me, um, it, it wasn't resonant with where, where I'm at. The Toltec that come down from the Lord Quetzalcoatl. And they were not connected to 
Quetzalcoatl. They had borrowed the wisdom of the Toltec, but they were not truly connected with the wisdom of the Toltec. Quetzalcoatl is, I think, an incarnation of the Christ. And there was much missing for me. Although I did love the explanations and the insights and the teachings as a nuts and bolts understanding of reality. I think in some ways it's the most clear expression of reality mm -hmm. that I've seen anybody give. Mm -hmm. when, did, when did you realize that you were going to be a teacher? Well, I remember as a young teenager, 13 years old, and I dreamed that I saw myself in the future dressed in kind of a white shirt, that button across the top, that very much out of India looking. And, and I was glowing with light as I, so I saw myself about seven years in the future. And I realized that that was when I had been in Hawaii and I'd come back to visit and I was dressed like that, holding that frequency. So that was just the beginning awakening to inspiration and of course always we have to transform ourselves mm -hmm. our conditioning ego attachments limited belief systems and uh, the, transform the mind and so um, because of certain experiences I'd had it, it was hard for me to really talk to people about things mm -hmm. and the more I studied and the more I became um, obsessed in my mind to learn I found it harder to speak to ordinary people mm -hmm. so it kind of inhibited me to be able to share my truth and I'd spent uh, let's say six years on Maui my last two years there or so a year and a half I became a tour guide and I was not from Maui and I didn't speak the way the Hawaiian people speak with a pigeon English and I didn't hang out with them to be a part of that so what I did was when I went on my training tours I just took notes about what they said and I just imitated them mm -hmm. became a, able to talk as a tour guide that way and then I led once I learned how to speak gave me a chance to then start talking about things that I was interested in like Maui the Dhamma God and the mythologies and the kahuna and then, you know, I was just starting to awaken my vocabulary to express spiritual ideas. Mm. It wasn't until I got to Sedona, which was after dropping out of college, um, almost 10 years later, nine years later, that that's when it all kicked in. Coming to Sedona was the catalyst for me mm -hmm. as far as coming out as a teacher. I had had on Maui, a close encounter with a UFO. Mm -hmm. It had, uh, came right down over my head, hovered over me. It was in the nighttime. I was visiting friends. I had walked out of the house to be under the stars. And it came right down over me, humming the high pitch. Ooh. My friend came out of the house. The light came on the porch. He came out. Really, oh, it's a UFO, <laughs> UFO. And I'm like, 
it's not a plane. It's not a helicopter. <laughs> My rational mind wasn't ready to go there. But as soon as he yelled it out, I, I just laughed at myself because obviously it was a UFO. The rational mind can get fixated about what it accepts as real or not. And I remember through the time meeting spiritual people, being around groups, and sharing that I'd had a UFO encounter and communication, and people would not believe me. Mm-hmm. Spiritual people would not believe me. And so, you know, not everybody's mind is ready for for her. Mm-hmm. But people like myself have to share. Mm-hmm. It's different now. People are much more open now. Mm-hmm. But some people are just too far out, too far out in the left field. Yeah. <laughs> I just choose to be more grounded and pragmatic. Mm-hmm. The main thing is that uh, they contacted me telepathically a week later. It was females. I refer to them as the goddesses, star people. I think they're the gods of our, of our mythology. And um, they told me that they just relax and go with it. They put energy in my crown, into my body. They said to heal and balance my energy. And I left Hawaii three years later, came to Sedona, arrived here on the summer solstice of 1987. And in meditation, they beamed a flame into my head, my mind's eye, tapped me in my head, about 20 seconds it tapped, then penetrated my forehead, hit me in the pineal gland, opened my crown chakra, and the same women spoke to me again and told me this is where I'd come to do my work, mm-hmm. that I was to be a spiritual guide, that there'd be thousands and thousands of people coming looking for answers, that I was to answer people's questions, to speak of love and inspiration. They said there's going to be a great awakening coming, been prophesied by the ancient cultures around the world. And after this great awakening, which I believe is our shift into the fifth dimension, a dimensional shift, they say that this earth is going to go through a cataclysm and will reset itself. So they told me many things about the higher consciousness, etc. And uh, that was um, the validation I needed to speak my truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, people say, you know, you're too young to know these things. Or you can't make money doing spiritual work. You can't do this. You're not that. I go like, I've been validated from the, from the higher power. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been shown out through my 20s especially, uh, my connection to the spirit. I've had many profound mystical experiences. Mm-hmm. So that, that brought me to be uh, in Sedona and not knowing how I'm going to do this. But mm-hmm. next thing I know, I met a guy, uh, invited me to come and work for him. He had a woman named Paige Bryant. She was giving a talk down by the Red Rock Crossing at a picnic table. Must have been 12 people. She was talking about the vortex phenomenon. She was a medium and she had channeled some of that. And I was sitting there listening because I just happened to be there. The guy that owned the company, he'd come over and talk to me and said, well, what do you think? What do you think? I said, it's uh, you know, some good information, but that, no big deal. He was like, I'm not, I'm not so impressed by it. And uh, anyway, he gave me his card to come and work with him. So I came uh, the next uh, half year later, started to become a guide. And I became, you know, like very, very successful. Uh, people were just raving about my work. And 
I became a sensation as a spiritual vortex tour guide doing the sacred earth tour. Mm-hmm. And that got me started. And then about a year and a half later, 1990, I got my own permit from the National Forest Service for my own tour company. And so I've been independent uh, tour operator, mystical tour, it's called, Mystic Tours of Trujillo. And um, it's give me the um, ability to interact with people and begin to see what people needed. And as I saw what they needed, I began to develop my teaching practices and healing methods and ceremonies. And um, uh, shortly around that time, I was on a hike over by the Devil's Bridge, very beautiful national uh, rock formation in in the forest. And I met this guy that we were talking and he was looking for places on the land, the sacred places. And he invited me to come to the Bell Rock. He was doing a group initiation for priests. He had been a, uh, I think a Methodist, you know, you know, a Orthodox minister. Did his years in the seminary school and all that. He got excited about, uh, Atlantis and Edgar Casey and things that mm-hmm. were very, you know, new ideas like that. And we talked, we shared about that because I had a lot of, I studied 10 years earlier intensely. So I had a, I'm like an encyclopedia. I know so much about that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I shared with him, he said, well, come and I want to anoint you as a priest mm-hmm. in the order of Melchizedek. So I showed up there at the Bell Rock. There must have been 100 people there being uh, ordained. He had a chair set up, a little altar, and he ordained us with the oil on our foreheads. And uh, then Chesborough, Order of Melchizedek. So I didn't do anything with that for a few years. And uh, I had dreams, experiences where Native American spirits came to me and very uh, um, forcefully uh, wanted me to do the walk the Native American path and to do the teachings and the songs and the ceremonies, to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. They're very serious, very um, abrupt with me. They were very upset because they saw their sacred land overrun by American tourism, Western mm-hmm. tourism, people out of touch of how to be in a sacred land. So they wanted me to be an example of how to do it right. I said to them, I didn't grow up with that. So if you want me to do that, you have to to teach me. And I pushed it back on them. So it wasn't they who taught me, but the various medicine people came to Sedona. Um, Wallace Black Elk, some of the Lakota elders, other teachers, native traditions came to Sedona and I spent time with them and did ceremony with them and was able to receive the essence of what they were sharing. Because I had already studied for like 10 years mm-hmm. uh, all the religions, major religions, mm-hmm. shamanism, yoga, Christian mysticism, Taoism, Buddhism, you know, uh, quantum physics, mm-hmm. astrology from a quantum physics perspective. 
So I had already had all that background. And as I began to do my work, I began to synergize all that and it, it draw forth the essence of those teachings in a modern way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now what you, um, you moved into the teachings of the, the medicine wheel as well. Yes. Can you ex- explain that part for everybody? Yes, I can. Um, I was obsessed with the study of astrology mm-hmm. and how it works and how to define sacred space. And the, uh, the zodiac and the sun, the planets, the galactic. And in 84, 1984, I met Sunbear. He was doing a presentation, a talk, and I was listening to him, and I kept asking him questions. He said, read my book, Medicine Wheel by Sunbear. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had a little bit of interaction with him, but the most that I got from him was the book. Mm-hmm. I look at his book about the Medicine Wheel, and I said, this is astrology. This is Native American astrology. And um, there are different ways of looking at the astrological perspective from the native people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the medicine wheel he presented was the same as the 12 sign zodiac, mm-hmm. the four directions. The chart wheel and the medicine wheel are the same. Now, there's also the 13 moon calendar, it's different than the 12 sun sign. People confuse that quite often. And then there's other native people, say out of Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, Toltec and Maya, or Cherokee, have a 20 sign zodiac. It's a based on a different measurement. So there are these different zodiacs and different ways of looking at things. But with the medicine wheel, as presented by Sunbear, it was uh, very easy for me to integrate that with the astrological chart. Back in those days, mm-hmm. people, native people in the northern parts of the, of the country, that their religion was outlawed. So they could not practice their religion. And when they, mm-hmm. those first elders began to start the fires and begin to renew the traditions, there was uh, governmental suspicion and opposition. So I was able to meet some of those elders who were the first ones to start the fires mm-hmm. and bring the teachings back from the northern tribes. You know that it's it's so interesting because when I saw that sun bear year many, many, many years ago when I was a teenager, I, I either it was either a vision or a dream. I think it was a dream. And I had this person named Sun Bear come to me. He literally went right through me and he says, You're 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 healing. And the message he gave me you know when i woke up so it was a dream that's when i thought well who is this <laughs> like who is this person so that's when i found his book as well so I, when i saw that with you i'm like oh how interesting that's so interesting i you know i, I really enjoyed that he shared a lot of information a lot of native people i met were very angry at him 
because she was sharing it to the non-Indian people. Yeah. And that's still an issue that uh, there is some anger about sharing with uh, non-Native people. Mm-hmm. And so when I've had people confront me about sharing teachings, I said, teachings I share don't belong to them. They are universal teachings. Mm-hmm. It's not defined by anybody's culture or anybody's, uh, you know, the, their way of doing things. I'm drawing from a higher synthesis of the wisdom that does belong to any one tradition. Mm-hmm. Every tradition has their own way of doing things. I just connect the dots of what, what we all have in common. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm a bridge. And that's where I identify with the Toltec. And uh, the Toltec were overthrown by the Aztec. And so those teachings scattered. And so whether we've been with the Lord Quetzalcoatl or the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. or different elders in past life, that wisdom is coded within us. And we mm-hmm. come into this world and have to teach ourselves what we know. Yeah. And we look to whoever else is putting that truth to see if it resonates or not. Mm-hmm. And we discard what doesn't resonate and assemble a body of teaching that that is uh, lays a foundation for to walk a good path. Yeah. So yeah. I found that a lot of what I teach and share as I pieced together and connected the dots. And then later I spent time with some elders yeah, I'm doing the same teachings, mm-hmm. doing the same same uh, ways of doing ceremony. I'm doing, doing that without even having been taught. Yes. So in other words, I already have been that. That which I already have been, I'm awakening into that more and more just by doing and sometimes experimenting, mm-hmm. but fine-tuning it as I, as I do it. And I've been doing this for um, like 33 years. Oh, 33, there's that number. <laughs> okay, I connect with 33. Very much so. 1987, you know, like when I got here, I'd already put 10 years in before that, so it's really been like 43 years that I've been on this path very intensely. Yeah. So I'm, I've been at it a long time, and I see a lot of people who are brand new at it, mm-hmm. and that's good, but there's nothing like experience to yeah. see when you can have <laughs> idealism and take an information that doesn't stand the test of time. Yeah. Not grounded in, you know, in practical you yeah. know, wisdom experience. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing um, because even, you know, even with myself just personally, you know, when I get to that certain, like, oh, my God, I mean, I surrender absolutely everything, everything completely doesn't matter what it is. And when and when I get to that almost to the end of that surrender, you know, because I, I work with the Christ consciousness and then that's why I surrender everything. And then I hold that faith. I release it. I let it go. And then something quite rapidly comes up, like just boom, instantly, instantly. Many of us are here to awaken to that power, mm-hmm. the Christ consciousness. Yeah, it's the sacred it, it, ego. Yeah, it's it, it's when I was fourteen, I started studying with Alice Bailey and, and Tibetan cool. masters and such. That's the only thing I connected with, 
you, you know, and then it just, it, you I know, asking, that. it was studying by then. Mm -hmm. That yeah. came out of the uh, Blavatsky. Yes. Yeah, Theosophy. I studied all that. Yeah, Helene Blavatsky. I get my hands on. <laughs> her, her birthday. We share the same birthday. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Blavatsky? Yeah, 12, uh, I'm 12th of August. And that's okay. one of the first things I knew with her. I'm like, oh. So, yeah, I have her books and the collection of Bailey and stuff. But that's the only yeah. thing way back then I could connect with because I couldn't connect with anything, like anything. Mm -hmm. And then once I started reading that, and I'm like, oh, I have, I found a connection that I can resonate with. Yeah, I, I like that material. Mm -hmm. You know, I looked through a lot of that, and they spoke about 2025 being, you know, like when this ship is going to take place. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm -hmm. I've always been talking about 2020 as being the being the trigger. So we'll see <laughs> what this looks like this decade. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. I was uh, talking to a man on one of my outings half a year ago. They he'd been with a group that had been with uh, Maharishi. Oh yeah. For 40 years they'd been with Maharishi. Mm -hmm. He'd always talk about uh, the changes coming and the break down the society and the, the new time, the new the energy coming in for the awakening. And he would never tell them when or too much, but there was uncertainty about what it was going to look like. Mm -hmm. They uh, got the Fairfield, Iowa retreat center. They had that big gathering in Fairfield. Mm -hmm. said, this is there for, if the, everything breaks down, that's one of their places to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, he died, I think maybe like 12, 13, 14 years ago. And they said, well, we've been with you all this time, and you keep talking about it, but when? When is it going to happen? And he talked about in the 20s here also. Yeah. And so, like, uh, 20, I think 2025, but 2020, you know, it's like, you know, it could be 2050. Nobody really knows because <laughs> everything, timelines change. Mm -hmm. And if you remember back, I remember people back in the 70s, Psychics, 60s, 70s, they were writing books about the future, and everybody could only see the year 2000 was it. And everything was projected at that time, 2000. Mm -hmm. But that's like, no, timelines have changed. People are awakening. Uh, many people are fearful of uh, conspiracy issues, the dark forest, etc. But the light is awakening on the planet. Mm -hmm. The light is rising. So I do trust in that. Yes. Yeah. Stay with the night, the light, stay connected stay with, with the light. light. No, I have, the light I have a friend night. actually with the virus in New York and he, and he texted me yesterday with it. And, and long story short, it, you know, he was quite fearful and negative for a while and I was warning him, stop. So boom, when he texted me, I wasn't surprised. So I gave him a huge reality check and, and I'm just really hoping that he'll, he'll connect with it. I think I, you know, but you know, because the light can overcome the darkness, of course. Well, I always when we're ready. People, yeah. I always say that in a joking way, it's like we can't take the drama of the third dimension too seriously yeah. and get no. defeated by it because nobody gets out alive anyway, yeah. Yeah. Unless, you, unless you ascend. Yeah. And I don't think there's going to be that many people ascending. Yeah. But even people dying... They're gonna go. They're gonna cross over and go into the heaven realm. If you study a lot about death and dying, you know that people have died and come back to share the story. Mm 
Mm-hmm. There's thousands and thousands of thousands of people sharing these stories. Yes. Going into the light, divine love, beings of uh, transcendent presence. Mm-hmm. They see their family members, loved ones. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. You're like, what am I doing clinging to my third dimensional life? Yeah. I want to be up here in this beauty. Yes. So many of them get a chance to come back because they have unfinished business, mm-hmm. children, et cetera, and uh, come back to make their life really count yes. to the part of love, inspiration, yeah. mm-hmm. that this world is the illusion. Yeah. Is the illusion that this is all there is. Yeah. This is just yeah. a school ground for us to step to the next level. Mm-hmm. So therefore we have to redefine our relationship with death. Mm-hmm. Death is a great teacher. Yeah. Not something to be feared. No. Because we get scared to death. Yeah. But nobody wants to die because we're no. clinging to our survival here. Mm-hmm. This is why Jesus said you have to be willing to lose yourself in order to save yourself. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, I had many near-death experiences and one one really stuck out and to make a long story short you know i was standing right in front of christ and he said come and i said no it, you know and and it was i can as i'm even seeing that i can see it so clearly this very second why did you, you say know? no <laughs> no i said no to him because that was like i was i was actually a teenager and um i thought i said no i said i know i'm here to clear a lot of stuff i don't want to go back one second of my life and come back and repeat from when i was born to the when i was a teenager at that second no never so i said i'm just going to keep moving forward and i was and he's like come with me and and i'm like no and he goes your life's going to be painful and i'm like i know and he's right he was he's dead on right (laughs) so you know without going into details but yeah. Did you ever think? Uh, did you ever think like I should have just went with him? Yes, actually. <laughs> when I get to certain points, and I'm like, why? Well, like, you know. Uh, the red pill or the blue pill? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know. No. <laughs> so, but you got to careful with your thoughts. You know, like, and I That's and it. I learned that too. You know, I asked to go right, and I I got sick a few years ago, and I didn't care, and um, and then. I had met somebody that came in at the right time and I thought, Oh, there's hope, you know, I mean, nothing happened. We're just friends, of course, but, um, it was that, so I learned how to heal myself. I went mm-hmm. to a lot of different healers and nothing was happening. And then I, I healed myself. I looked around at the clock and I saw white substance come out of my body. I knew at that second I was healed. And I knew that very second that we can heal our own self. Yes. You it's know, nice to have some help, but ultimately we have to be responsible for yes. our own healing. Oh, a- mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, I mean, I would come see you for healing anytime. Anytime. I was supposed to come see you in 2014, but that's another story. But, you know. <laughs> so we haven't met in person yet? No. No. Oh, okay. No. I was supposed to come. I was there, actually, but um, my taxi didn't pick me up at the hotel. <laughs> like, I'm like, what's crazy? Long story, but I'm like, okay. But it made sense when I went home. I I, I understood why at that time, right? So mm-hmm. you have your own church. Yes. Your own Native American. <laughs> My words today, blah. So explain yes, to I, um, I I did a healing 
on a woman that was a part of a goddess movement. And they had been working with a Native American elder who was established in the Peyote Church, the Native American Peyote Church. He had uh, given a sacrament with the non-Native peoples and in the state of Utah. And they were trying to arrest him and put him in prison for uh, giving white people drugs. That, that's how they saw it. And so he, through the church, representatives and good legal representation, you can't discriminate against people for their race or religion. So that white people had the right to be able to be a part of Native American church. And so he had kind of crossed that line over like that and did it to the legal system. Mm. So when I met him and uh, spent time with him, he uh, gave me my own church mm-hmm. as a, or a branch of his church. But I, to make myself legal with the IRS, I applied for my own church mm-hmm. through, the, through the government. And so I am my own church, but I'm also a part of that church. And they were using uh, peyote, other uh, earth sacrament. Uh, I don't so much do that, mainly because I don't have the land and the space and accommodate people. And for me, it's more of a natural high with what I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're also an ordained minister. Yes. But I'm a medicine person, so it all, I'm my own church. Mm-hmm. And so um, people say, what's your religion? And I say, I, got, I have my own religion. It's the universe. And if it's not love, it's not truth. Yeah. So if it's not evolving and transforming limitation, it's not the truth. If it doesn't represent we're in a quantum field but you're all part of the one. So how we respond to the external is going to condition who we are. Mm-hmm. So as Jesus would say, judge not lest you judge yourself. Yes. It's not yeah. easy though, because I watch Donald Trump and I get very judgmental. <laughs> and I have to like, he's making me have to evolve. Because <laughs> it's like, I don't like what they're doing. I don't like what's going on here. But okay, great spirits, you will be done. Just pray for the pray for the ignorance. That, yeah, uh, I mean that that's what I do. I actually like in in any of my prayers, I always ask for um, you know the darkness to see the light. Y- you know, yeah, to bow to the light. Yeah, for them to see the compassion and the love and and the light. You know, the darkness because. You know, if they saw that, then, of course, the world wouldn't be like the way it is right now. And has been, of course, right? Well, there may be those who are playing out a a shadow reality that is meant to provide us the duality we need to evolve through this duality. Mm -hmm. To go through the struggle duality and maintain our light. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. higher we can raise our frequency and master this consciousness on the 3D. When we cross over to the heaven realm, we can go to much higher levels versus most people just 
getting in and being happy to get in to the heaven realm. Those mm-hmm. who are mastering consciousness of the 3D here mm-hmm. will be able to go to much, much greater profound realities beyond yes. the first heaven. Yes. So what is what does the death of the advisor teach us? Uh, the uh, death as the advisor. <laughs> if you work with dying people, yeah. do they look at their life with regret? Mm-hmm. Did I live my life? Did I share love with my loved ones? Did I chase after illusions? Mm-hmm. Am I ready for death? Yeah. If you're not ready for death, it's teaching you. Mm-hmm. You best get in touch with your heart. Yeah. How you utilize your time. How you have assembled your reality. Mm-hmm. Is this truth? Is this false? Is this ego? Is it making me have guilt and remorse? Or shame. Mm-hmm. What is my desire? So death cuts through all that. Mm-hmm. It cuts through all that. Makes us have to look at ourselves mm-hmm. as mortals, and that this lifetime it has a judgment day. We're gonna have to move on to the next level. Yeah. And many people will speak of going into the halls of mirrors between life and the astral where they see everything they ever did wrong mirrored back to them. Mm-hmm. And they feel how they let themselves down because of how they lived. And so they see their guilt, they see their shame, they see their taint. And just to come back and get it right, to do the right thing, to think the right way, act in the right way, yeah, to do something that uplifts to strip away the lower mind intelligence. Mm-hmm. So death makes us confront our lower self. Yes. Our fears makes us have to confront uh, and transform mm-hmm. our consciousness. Mm-hmm. Great advisor. Mm-hmm. Death is over our left hand shoulder. Mm. And so always uh, uh, this teaching, many people know of it, they just forgot. Mm-hmm. You have the cartoon, over your right shoulder is a little angel. Yeah. Your right shoulder is a little, little devil. So if we put the mm. medicine wheel in our energy body, mm. facing straight ahead is like east, mm-hmm. and sunrise and spring, mm-hmm. the sign of Aries, over our right shoulder is a sign of Leo. That's called the solar angel, your higher self. I'm Leo. Your left shoulder, of your <laughs> left shoulder is Scorpio, Hades, Lord of Death. <laughs> so the angel of light and the angel of death is over our shoulder. Uh, that makes sense. That makes total sense. And so you have people like, oh, uh, we did something wrong. They throw salt over their left shoulder. <laughs> they close the door to keep the bad energy yeah. out. So you find these traditions, yeah, in shamanism, but it's been lost. But people still have uh, glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. So, what is the circle of power, and what does that represent? Well, in the medicine, the circle, the circle represents consciousness itself. Mm-hmm. It's a it's the circle of creation. 
the galaxy is a great circle that's in motion everything's in motion and it's spinning there's mm -hmm. yin and yang mm -hmm. and as it sound frequency moves it creates a fourfold cross mm -hmm. so it feels like a great swastika mm -hmm. yeah galaxy is doing that you can do that with sound experiments with uh, a grain or a salt or a sand put it on a, a sound plate and turn the frequency on and it'll start moving and start to assemble the fourfold cross so it's a natural emanation of creation mm -hmm. or directions it's a medicine wheel mm. from the galactic to the solar system to the earth to our space around us mm -hmm. is the circle of consciousness mm -hmm. is the vortex so today everybody's talking about the vortex the galaxy is the vortex what's in the center mm -hmm. great great mystery yeah the un yeah known, the unmeasurable mm -hmm. so why does the medicine wheel go one direction and the astrology wheel go both directions the medicine can go both directions. Everything goes both directions. Yin and yang goes both directions. Mm -hmm. So different teachings, it's like um, some traditions, like the Cherokee, they dance counterclockwise around the wheel. Most other traditions are going clockwise. Mm -hmm. The earth is turning counterclockwise. Mm -hmm. the stars in the sky are... Uh, the plants, I should say, the planets are going counterclockwise. So from our appearance, with the turning of the earth, the sun appears to go clockwise. Everything appears to go clockwise. Mm -hmm. It's an illusion. And so we go with the sun direction because we're, we're bringing the sun energy down into the wheel of life. But it goes both ways. The counterclockwise is the female. And clockwise is the male because mm -hmm. I know each zodiac sign has a native name yeah this is uh, you know we're talking about the Great Lakes region as taught by Sunbear mm -hmm. and um, very similar interpretations mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, the I think the most important part about the medicine wheel is it brings you into the time-space reality of here and now. The astrology chart does that, but it's more comprehensive. Because mm -hmm. you look at the whole globe, and uh, it's much more complicated. The medicine wheel is simpler. Mm -hmm. it has, it's an aspect of the astrological wheel mm -hmm. in the four directions correspond to times of the day each each direction has a power and in the circle of life consciousness where does it begin mm. consciousness is and always has been mm -hmm. but how does it begin mm -hmm. and duality begins in the east mm -hmm. for us the sunrise so this is the, the birth this is the energy of the rising suns like the eagle brings light of consciousness to awaken us to higher mind in the zodiac it's aries mm. i am that i am the ram pioneering yeah. headstrong for the native zodiac of the red hawk people mm -hmm. 
quick to fly in to see what's going on. If I like it, I'm in with it. I don't, I'm out of there. Yeah. It's the same ideas, just different ways of expressing. Mm -hmm. So the south is uh, summertime, mm -hmm. noonday sun. What is born in the east, what is coming forth from the east, becomes established in the south. Mm -hmm. The spring birth becomes summer rootedness, mm -hmm. growth, uh, development. So the child that mm -hmm. is born in the east now finds its place mm -hmm. in the world, in the family. Yeah. The south is a place of the child. Because you put charts together for, for people, don't you? I, I read professionally. Yeah. Yeah, so if somebody wanted to get a chart, they can always get in touch yeah, with I you can, to get one done. I can do it uh, today. I'm doing it a lot online. <laughs> over, <laughs> yeah, uh, everything's over, online um, right now. You know, video chat, like mm -hmm. like Facebook or mm -hmm. Skype or WhatsApp. Because mm -hmm. you, you also have a sweat lodge. I do sweat lodge, yes. Yes. I'm very remarkable sweat lodge. Yes. What what tools are you using for it? Like, are you using essential oils and rocks and stuff? Well, um, I have a very unique sweat lodge. I did a traditional sweat lodge for about probably about thirteen years, fourteen years, and um, because of the drafts we were having in Arizona and fire restrictions, I had to have other options in order to do sweat lodge. Mm. So. What I did was I brought the fire inside my lodge by using a Finnish sauna, mm. wood-burning sauna. So instead of bringing in the grandfather rocks, those volcanic rocks, the volcanic rocks are already on the top of the sauna, which mm. is built to hold them. And mm -hmm. I have a stove pipe taking the smoke out. And um, I've got a very unique lodge built as an octagon, about 16 feet across. And uh, in the center is dug out to where I could set the stove down in there, have a four foot clearance to the ceiling. And uh, you can sit around the inside circle like in a chair, but big enough for an outside circle, big enough to hold 30 people comfortably. Do you have to have a minimum um, amount to do the, the sweat lodge, like a minimum amount? Can you do like, you do one-on-one -on -one or does I, it have I to can. be like? I can, I can do whatever feels appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, I've been doing a lot of reno renovation in my space here, so I haven't had as many big groups as I used to have. Mm -hmm. I would tell, i give the, let everybody know and then people would come and there'd be just too many people show up. So now I'm doing more um, requests and more Mm -hmm. Work with more uh, uh, private healing with people and smaller group sizes like that. Otherwise, I get just too many people showing up, and yeah. and uh, when my space wasn't able to handle it, I wish I had some property where I had like five acres or ten acres, where I could have a lot of people and people could camp and and do ceremonies for two three days and uh, do medicine and things like that. But since I'm in the city, um. I'm uh, much more uh, contained and yeah. not yeah. as... Uh, not well, I might as, be able to help you out with that when I come down, you know, because where, where I've been invited to, it, it's on a big ranch, and there, I know there's a lot of land, so... Like, like Cape Creek over there? 
<laughs> yeah, there's a, a lot of land. A little closer to Sedona, but it's all good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, so because I know, you know, you're a busy guy, so I don't want to keep you too, too much, but um, tell me about the four vortexes in Sedona. Because well, I know your tours, like you go around. Like, it's kind of like a party. You go to a party, and you see the people who are the most, um, have the biggest presence as far as characters, and you think that that's the life of the party. But it's the people who are off to the side that are kind of the quiet people that maybe don't get the recognition that are the deepest and have the most, have the most power. So mm -hmm. Sedona's like 100 power spots. Mm -hmm. The popular vortexes are just that. They're popular because they, obviously, they stand out by themselves. The Bell Rock, the Cathedral Rock, like that. And um, what happens, they become so popular, too many people. Mm -hmm. And people don't know how to be there. They don't know how to hold space. So it gets scattered. Yeah. It becomes yeah. people just on a curiosity. Yeah. And back in the past, it was more uh, people more focused to come for a spiritual purpose, meditation, prayer, raised vibration frequency. Now it's a lot of uh, people coming who are just curious. Mm -hmm. and, and they have too many children, too. It can be very noisy and scattered. Yeah. This yeah. is why in my work I've been guided to hold space at some of these places. Mm -hmm. One of my most popular and favorite spot would be the airport vortex. Oh, it's yes. So many people come there. I usually avoid the crowded area to mm -hmm. do my ceremonial work, but sometimes I go to the popular spot and sing and play flute, and, uh, and then everybody there goes like, thank you, thank you. We needed this to help us to connect. But, you know, you got the airport vortex, which is kind of like the hub of the whole area. It's like the center of gravity of the, of the Sedona area. Mm -hmm. Not so much the back canyons, but the Sedona city area, which includes the Bell Rock and Cathedral Rock. So um, the mountains are masculine, the desert energy, hot, dry, let's go the desert energy. So you go to the mountain, climb up on the mountain, it expands your perspective. Mm -hmm. The desert strips away your emotional conditions. Yeah. Yeah. So you can say, I'm not this, I'm not that. Let me process my emotional stuff, this baggage, and go to the mountain and connect with my higher self. What's my yeah. vision? How do I master this life? And yeah. the canyon, Oak Creek Canyon, is the female vortex. That's the female vortex. People say, Cathedral Rock is the female vortex. Cathedral Rock is not the female vortex. Mm -hmm. The Oak Creek at the base of Cathedral Rock is the female vortex. The mountain is masculine, but the Oak Creek comes out of the Oak Creek Canyon as natural springs coming up out of the earth. Those springs hold the power. Mm -hmm. Springs coming out of that canyon, the water coming out of the earth, that's the female vortex. Fruit trees and, and berries and nature's nurturing and life-sustaining, mm -hmm. feminine, Water in the desert, you can't live without water. Water's life is the mother. Mm -hmm. So the female vortex is the canyon. There's probably at least five major vortex areas up there, if not seven. But there's a lot of places up there. 
and wherever the water flows is going to be female power places. Mm -hmm. And then the desert pinnacles, all the pinnacles are masculine, are, are vortex points. Because the vortex is not limited to one place. It's the whole area is the vortex, and the mountains anchor it. Mm -hmm. So when you drive into Sedona, even before you see the Bell Rock mm -hmm. or the Cathedral Rock, you don't even see them. You drive in and you see the red rocks. It's like, wow, oh my God, oh my God. That was not Bell Rock or Cathedral Rock. That was the mountains of the Sedona area. It's like, yeah. boom, break you open. Like, oh my God. Yeah. People say, I, I don't feel the vortex. I say, like, did you say, yeah. oh my God? Yeah, so, well, that's <laughs> the vortex. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, could it connect you to God? Yeah. I love the stillness of the night. My friend, um, well, one, my, one of my teachers years ago, I, I went there and he lived right in the middle of the desert down by Cave Creek. And I love looking at the stars and stargazing and, and that. And we went on his roof and it, it was amazing because all you heard was like the crickets. And, and it was amazing. I, I just didn't want to leave. Also, you the part of the desert. Oh, it was power. Oh, that was amazing. I just, it was, wow. I just, I didn't want to leave, leave that moment, you, you know, but that, yeah. Until the next morning when I got up and I had my coffee and there's a scorpion on the floor. <laughs> so that was another story. <laughs> Scorpio, Hades. Yellow. It was that. Yeah, it's, I'll say a few things about that. I'll say a few things about that now, you know, about yeah. what's going on now. Yeah. As an astrologer, we've been looking at this uh, astrological pattern, the lineup of Pluto Saturn that took place in January. And astrologers that are aware of this uh, orbital reality, as the planets orbit, they have a north and south node. The south node shows the past, the north node shows how we're awakening to new ways of doing things. Mm. So the south node of Pluto and Saturn, both in the early 20s of Capricorn, Capricorn, the patriarchy, the authority system, status quo, you don't conform to it, they come down on you hard. The authority, the judgments, Capricorn. Pluto and Saturn lined up on that. Right then, during that time of the uh, January when they were trying to impeach uh, Trump. I mean, he was impeached, but they couldn't get him because the Senate was backing him. They didn't want to know about any kind of criminal activity he was doing because <laughs> they are, he's our champion. So it's a political, it's our champion versus your thing. So, But this struggle within the system. And so we look at this like as a time where the shadow of the patriarchy comes to a high point. Right wing and left wing fighting, that's the patriarchy because it's not equal balance of power. There's not uh, respect of the Mother Earth. It's all about business and conquering the Earth and conquering the world. Mm -hmm. Us against you are winning. That's the patriarchal side, conqueror. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we saw this time go like something's going to happen. It's going to begin to break down the patriarchy, mm -hmm. break down the world power structure. Something's going to happen with this, and. Um, Sure enough, his virus showed up because mm. this was a major astrological signature showing everything breaking down and having to rebirth itself. 
-hmm. So Pluto-Saturn, when they align, there is this breaking down, this power struggle, um, authoritarianism. You know, when they align together on the medicine wheel, the summertime south, cancer sign, Pluto and Saturn cross that, mm -hmm. like 1914, World War One began, and within a few years, the Spanish flu took place, and you had millions of people die. Yeah. Not so many that first spring season like we have now, mm -hmm. but the next fall is when the majority of people died. So this coronavirus, mm -hmm. it may not be so bad this first round, but it may come back again in the in the fall. I think we have more ability to combat it now, that we should be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. But this breaking down of the world's system because of the Spanish flu. Now it may have be that uh, I heard Rudolf Steiner say, "Yeah, there's that, another one." Uh, the electricity becoming on board. Yeah have to break down the energy field of the earth to give birth to the virus. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but today now we have 5G mm -hmm. is being rolled out that it may also be contributing to the, the, the breaking down yeah. of the system for like the virus to emerge. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like the baptism of fire. Yes. <laughs> and so um, through conflict and chaos comes a new consciousness for better or for worse mm -hmm. and so we had uh, Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn now Jupiter is catching up with Pluto now they are aligned let's see they are they're coming together this week but they're already been together for this past week Jupiter represents expansion how we create success and a abundance in our social reality. It's our religions and our faith and our philosophy and everything that helps us to expand. Pluto's death and transformation mm -hmm. in Capricorn. Mm -hmm. This has been the, he's the Lord of the underworld. Mm -hmm. Underworld people are like gangsters. Power, coercion, uh, you know, manipulation, struggle. So we've been having this governmental struggle. When Pluto entered Capricorn, that's when Obama was elected. We came through a great crash of the financial system at that time. Obama brought in a new perspective and rebooted the system, and we came out of that. Mm -hmm. But that Pluto and Capricorn, now this struggle, this coercion, this, this power, the shadow in the, in the control of the government became so strong. The idea of JFK being assassinated, 9-11, and oh, there were two buildings hit by planes, but three buildings went down. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, in our face was the conspiracy of the New World Order. And so now this struggle is taking place, life and death struggle between right-wing people versus the left-wing. People hated Obama. And now it's swinging from the left-wing, now it's going to the right, now people hating Trump. And this struggle was going on. And so the Saturn-Pluto conjunction took place. Mm -hmm. And 
even with this pandemic, the struggle is still, it's not, it's not going to stop because it's like life and death struggle between these mm. two factions, east and right and left, I should say. Yeah. Jupiter's coming to catch up. Jupiter's how we expand our reality. Pluto's mm. death, tearing it down, mm. tearing down the economy. Mars came through there also. People have been talking about it, but there's a lot of military action going on in the Middle East. And everybody knows the Middle East and Israel and the Muslim, that that thing is ripe for military, they call that Armageddon. So all that energy is, you know, is set up, the table is set. So Saturn has gone into Aquarius now. Jupiter is going to catch up uh, by December this year. So we're on the threshold of leaving age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. We're not in Aquarius yet. Yeah, We're still in the 3D. Aquarius is the fifth dimensional reality. Like back in the 60s, mm -hmm. the song of the dying is the age of Aquarius, sung by a band called the fifth dimension. So it's a dimensional shift and we have heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. We're not in heaven on earth. We're in the 3D earth. Yeah. The struggle of duality coming to a, a very high point now. Yeah. And um, Jupiter and Saturn getting conjunct in December. They got a 20-year cycle. So the whole, like, like, a new, like, a, like a moon cycle, halfway is the full moon. So the full cycle of Jupiter-Saturn are 10 years. So this 10 years of the 2020s, this decade, is going to be influenced by the Jupiter, Saturn, and mm. Aquarius. What's that? There's a Aquarius, from this third dimensional perspective, has a double side, the light and the shadow. So what's the light? New healing technologies, healing frequencies, uh, progressive uh, awarenesses, energy technologies, uh, social tolerance, new progressive social ideas as people are awakening to do things in a better way. Mm -hmm. So that's the positive. Mm -hmm. What's Absolutely. the negative? What's the negative? Mm -hmm. Aquarius is detached. It's technology. It's science. It's internet. It's new phone technologies and computer technologies. 5G. These frequencies may not be in harmony with the natural order of things. Yeah. They're wanting to put uh, computer technology into the human body. Like uh, you got people lost their arms and legs, so they put artificial limbs on there, put a probe in the brain, uh, hook us up to the grid, transhumanism. Mm -hmm. So our science has to find a connection to, this, to the great spirit. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're going to have a soulless God. Yeah, yeah. And this is what people are afraid of when we become too technologically advanced and yeah. live in a computerized, high-surveillance technological society that's out of touch with the earth and the natural energy of the, the spirit of the land, yeah. the water, yeah. the air. Yeah. So we're on this threshold of uh, very controversial things. Yeah, that's and another so, story. <laughs> So that's why people have to hold the frequency of love. Mm -hmm. That even if people are struggling and fighting over life and death, mm 
yeah, that you don't get out alive, we're going to have to move to the power of love to enter the heaven realm. Yeah. Awaken yeah. the fifth dimensional Feeling heaven away. on earth. Yeah. But no matter what goes on, we have to hold that light, allow inventors to bring in healing technologies, free energy technology, uh, devices that are putting out uh, rate, uh, healing frequencies, radionics, homeopathy, bringing all this up without the status quo system trying to crush it. Mm -hmm. Because uh, kind of a depressing thought is that there's been over 90 holistic doctors have been killed in the last mm -hmm. year or two. So it's like there's like an underground gangster thing because they're a threat to the Western medical system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are really some really deep challenges we're being faced, confronted by. Yeah. And um, I think that as people who are holding light, workers, work, working with the power of the Spirit through love mm -hmm. and surrender to the will of God, yeah. that we ask and do our prayer and do our work so that we can have the intervention come down in. Yeah. That struggle is bigger than what we can handle. Mm -hmm. So what Jesus said is resist you, not evil. Yeah. If you fight with evil, evil will get into you. Yes. And conspiracy movement, which is fighting with it, the fear is evil itself, getting into them and making them yeah. make, uh, lower their vibration frequency. Absolutely. Uh, so and that's, yeah. So if the game is going to be up and the veil comes off and the third dimension, the fourth dimension merge, before we go to the fifth dimension, if your frequency is not love and, and, and right action and right doing, right live, live, live yeah. violations, <laughs> you're going to get stuck in the lower astral of it. You're not going yes. to the higher. Absolutely. And so when's it going to happen? We don't know, but it yeah. could be this decade. It could yeah. be 2025. Yeah, yeah, it's going to, it's definitely, definitely going to be a while. You know, so let's say if somebody wanted to, like get a chart from you or um, book a tour or, or anything like that, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? I would say visit my webpage, www.rahelio.com. My phone number is there, my cell yeah. phone. My email address is there. Yeah. Uh, they can just uh, message me. Yes. Better to text me than to call me because I can't always answer the call. Yeah. But uh, – Email me, text me. Yeah. I'm also on Facebook, Rogelio Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. I'm also on uh, Instagram. Yeah. And so people can find me, you can Google yeah. me, and uh, I'll come up with Mystic yeah. Tours of Rogelio. And just contact me and yeah. call, write, message. Because I'll, I'll, I'll put your contact details, like your website, on, on this as well for people, you know, to get a hold of you now. I know that you play the flute and you're amazing at it. And, you know, I felt the, the best way to, to end this, because we could talk for hours. I, I already know that. <laughs> Look out when I come to Sedona. <laughs> but for you to play, you know, the flute and, um, you know, I just, I want to thank you again, Rogelio, for, for doing this interview with me. I really appreciate it because I know you're busy. And, um, you know, I'm sure that we'll be talking again really soon. And just also, again, for those who want to stay tuned for more shows and episodes, you know, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Jenny Cousins, Jenny G Cousins, 
And you can also catch me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well, and my my website. So thank you again, Rahelio. I deeply appreciate it. So if oh, you would guide us off. Okay, I have two flutes here. Yeah, um, whichever one works when for When I'm you. speaking, I hear myself echo. That's why I'm speaking kind of like a little you, short you sentence. You sound fine. I'm echoing in my own ear. Yeah. So hopefully I can play my flute and have it uh, just right. episodes soon to come and thank you again Rahelio very oh. much I appreciate you very much a beautiful day may we Namaste. all get to this time stay positive take care you know we're gonna come out of this we're all good awaken your light yes be it yeah stay in love stay in light oh yeah <laughs> live your heaven now yeah. <laughs> Thank you again. Through the purgatory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's another conversation. <laughs> okay. Thank you again, Rahelio. I'll be talking with you really soon. Okay, and thank you. thank you again um, for everybody who is watching and will continue to watch. Namaste. Mm -hmm.